Hi, this is Paul. I'm running out of weekend to make a few videos for next week. One of the things I wanted to touch on was Scott Adams talking about AI and his nihilism. So let's listen to the clip. Chat uh, GPT, the AI, is being combined with Bing, the search engine, Microsoft search engine. And they did their uh, little rollout kind of demo for the public. And uh, it didn't go well. It didn't go well. <laughs> Do you know what people are finally figuring out about chat GPT? That it's a language-based intelligence. <laughs> now, that was not, never a secret. That was and, and that's an important thing. Actually, we had our Ashura meeting last night. We had some people in the room who work on AI. We had, tend to get a lot of technology people, uh, people work in that industry. And... Chat GPT looks at patterns of language that people use that they can pull from their data source on the internet, and that's basically how they construct things. Someone sent me a Chat GPT uh, where it asked about Jonathan Peugeot, and it mentioned that Jonathan Peugeot was the son of Jordan Peterson, and that was just, just what the thing spit out. Now, of course, Chat um, GPT doesn't have the wherewithal to go and and figure these things out. It's sort of locked in its own little box, and so depending on the data set, you'll get these kinds of things. It was always known, but I don't think people quite understood what that implied, right? They don't know what that implies. And what it implies is there is no intelligence happening. There's no intelligence happening. It's just using words. Now, now you have to ask this, the question, okay, what do you mean by intelligence? in whatever patterns and combinations have existed in the real world, and that it looks for patterns and combinations that seem uh, maybe more prominent, and that it adopts that view. And, and so in other words, it's sort of a machine that watches how we talk based on the data that it has available to us, and it constructs answers to questions according to the data it has available to us, which is basically how we talk. So a friend in the estuary who seek um, many of you have seen Raj on many of the This Little Corner channels, uh, basically went to ChatGPT and tried asking questions about Sikhi, Sikhism, and it basically knows nothing. Another person of our estuary uh, teaches at a local community college, has a PhD in um, neuropsychology, was asking its que it questions and basically saw it doesn't know a lot. If you, if you know a lot and you push it, you will see just how limited it is. The assumption is, well, it will get better. An interesting question is that once this thing starts become, it starts displacing search engines, what will happen to all the data, which is basically being parasitized from human beings and search engines when all of these people putting their recipes and their ideas out on search engines and trying to get uh, monetized by the web traffic that search engines are sending to those websites and getting advertising money now suddenly no longer works because nobody's making money on the internet. And then in some ways you're just cutting off um, new, cutting off the um, these AIs from new information because they're dependent on us for information about the quote unquote real world. So none of that is based on fact or logic or anything. It's just words have done this with humans, so I'll act like a human and do words like they do words, basically. 
That's the worst, the worst explanation of AI you've ever seen. No, it is not. I have seen far worse. Um, it might not be perfect, but it ain't bad. But you get the idea. Now, here's what I've been warning you forever. The reason that AI will never have real intelligence, like people, is that your intelligence is imaginary. And he has been saying this for as long as I've listened to him. He is a nihilist. We don't have intelligence. They don't have intelligence. It's just, we had an amazing conversation about this in the estuary meeting last night. You can't make a real thing match an imaginary thing that can't exist. <clears throat> look, look at every big uh, topic in, let's say, politics. And look at the fact that there are brilliant people on both sides. And they all have the same information. <laughs> same information. And we disagree. Brilliant people. Now, it's no surprise if, like, the dumbest people in the world disagree with each other. Like, that's no surprise. Is that now, now, what's interesting, what video was I listening to this morning where they were, oh, it was, it was Eric Weinstein on Joe Rogan. And they, we keep using general intelligence in our culture as um, some, some, some divinizing value. It's, it's sort of like we tend to use reason in that way. Now, I want to mention C.S. Lewis's book, Miracles, because when he uses reason with a capital R, reason with a capital R, according to C.S. Lewis in his book, Miracles, is in some way sort of a minor miracle. It's, um, it's in some ways analogous to John Verveke's relevance realization. It is, it is the moments when we have an engagement with reality. It's a moment when we are correct. And part of the reason people like talking about science or reason or some of this is that these are tools by which we attempt to know the world and engage productively with the world and don't just live in error or illusion. I don't know anything. But when the smartest people <laughs> routinely are on both sides of every issue, what does that tell you about human intelligence? It's an illusion. Now, now, that's a super low-resolution take on it because the truth is if you well, – part of the problem that you have with partisan debates is that neither side wishes to actually acknowledge something that both sides would normally fess up to if they're having a good-faith conversation. He sort of implies that, you know, human, human beings can't have knowledge. And the reason he implies this is because this is a – this is something that follows on where our culture has gone with respect to knowledge. Human intelligence is an illusion. We're just like ChatGPT. There, he can't say it any more clearly. But here's the problem. He is, of course, running a YouTube channel giving insights, and he gives many insights. I profit from many of his insights. He made the point that when 
the American military stopped looking for the thing that they shot down, they were probably simply admitting, without admitting it, that they'd been shot, shot down a weather balloon, something that they knew what it was. Because you know full well, and his reasoning was correct, that if they actually believed that it was somehow some alien spacecraft full of valuable technology that we could profit from, they would keep looking and looking and looking and looking. And that was a great example from Scott Adams of him using intelligence to make a conjecture about the truth. It was, a, it was good reasoning. It was a nice, plausible argument. But what he just says right here is, well, let's have him say it again. It's an illusion. Human intelligence is an illusion. But when you say that, you're basically saying, this sentence has no meaning. And you might listen to that and say, yeah, you're right. But it shows you didn't really understand the sentence. It's, it's one of these little word tricks that's circular. Uh, humans have no intelligence. Okay, why should I believe that phrase? If you're telling the truth, then I can't believe it. And this is, a, this is one of the great examples of nihilism. The problem with nihilism is you can't pull it off. Because once you declare it to be so, you've cut off the, there's how many illustrations, of, you've cut off the branch that you're sitting on. We're just like ChatGPT. We're, we're just a machine that's full of words. And if the words that are in my head form, form a different pattern than the words in your head, you think that you did some thinking, and I think I did some thinking, and then we think we disagree on something. Nothing like that happened. Nothing like that happened. You are basically ChatGPT. You're just one. One of the one of the women that came to Estuary had a great topic in in the Estuary, and she says, you know what? I'd love to engage in a process where two people disagree on a substantive thing, and they can actually come together and talk it down all the way to the bottom, and don't end by agreeing to disagree, but actually get to resolution. Yeah, that assumes, and I think quite correctly, that such a thing is possible. We can have knowledge. Now, our knowledge is always limited because we are limited, but the problem with being a nihilist is there's no then no point to anything. Word thinking. How, how many times have you heard me say that people are doing word thinking? You see it everywhere. We, we try to win an argument by forcing our definition of a word. You're seeing it with trans, you're seeing it with COVID, you're seeing it with basically everything. Everything is about trying to get the other side to agree with our definition of a word, and then you think you won the argument. There's no logic going on. It's not real disagreement, it's just your words and my words are in different patterns in our heads, because we've... But of course, when you complain that there's no logic, well, you're assuming that logic is possible, that logic is profitable. That, that logic can, in fact, be something that we use to achieve something. But you've just undercut all of that by your other statement, meaning none of it matters. And this sort of sets up the relationship between caring and matters, because once you care, your nihilism is in trouble. Experience the words differently. That's about it. But we think, we think we're thinking. Anyway, so that uh, not only did the... AI. And of course, he thinks he's thinking, and people listening to him think they're thinking. So we're all just having a 
false experience thinking that we're thinking. And none of it means anything. Associated with Bing, uh, make up some facts, which is the worst possible thing a search engine could do. But of course, if you're a nihilist, facts are irrelevant because it's just all word salad anyway. So, so what? Now, this is confirmed. It just lied. Now, why would an AI... And truth and lying make no difference either. I mean, there's, there's no hole into which any of this can go. There's nothing. Lie. Why would it do that? Because that's the pattern of human interaction. Humans lie about everything all the time. And he can tell the difference because he's not human? If you were a chat, if you were an AI, and you were trying to figure out how to be smart like humans, would you lie? Yeah, you would. Because <laughs> that's the only thing you would learn. You couldn't possibly look at human interactions and conclude that we tell the truth, or even try, or even try. So if it was trying to model us and match us, it would lie. And it does. <laughs> and it does. Not only does it lie, it does a complete gaslight in telling you you've never seen anything contrary. Uh, there's a whole detailed story that didn't exist. I mean, it's the worst possible situation. And, and again, what he's saying about this is true. But he's just told us that there is no truth, there is no thinking, there is no communication, that we're just playing an endless word game that means nothing. So why would we watch? Well, we watch because we're just stuck in our delusions, but even that, that we're stuck in our delusions would, of course, be a positive sentence, which itself makes no sense. There's nothing here. Now, again, I mentioned C.S. Lewis's book, Miracles, and C.S. Lewis runs through all of this stuff with respect to reason and nature. And again, in this book, reason is sort of a, a minor miracle by which um, we can actually have knowledge, but it's reason, it's reason capital R. And it's, it's sort of, again, it's a minor miracle. It's sort of slightly divinized. Now there's another, um, there's another video that I caught at the same time. This, um, question goes this Heritage Foundation video which, um, or Hoover Institute, that's it, Hoover Institute, Design, Behe, Lennox, and Meyer and the Evidence for a Creator. John Lennox has a wonderful little section in here about this very thing. Now, my clip is a little long, probably don't need the whole thing because they go back to this thing about information, and let's start here. Information is contained in those two pictures. Yes, I did. I suspect it's almost equal. I think the question you should have asked is how much truth is contained in those two pictures. Now, to come back to your precise question, the first picture shows what people commonly call the ascent of man yes. from lower animals. Yes. Now, here's where Darwin helped me massively by expressing in a letter a profound doubt he said, you know, and I'm only paraphrasing because I haven't got the quote in my head. He said, you know, I'm troubled by the fact that if my explanation is correct, then 
how do we account for the human capacity for rational thought? He said, after all, if we started with lower animals and a monkey's mind, he said, well, is there any thinking in a monkey's mind? Now, hold that just for a moment, because I have lots of fun with my scientific friends. I sometimes ask them, what do you do science with? And of course, they name some expensive machine. I say, no, no. Oh, they say, you mean your, and they're about to say mind when they realize that's not politically correct. And they say your brain. I said, okay, well, I believe the brain and the mind are separate, but we're in your brain. Um, give, me the, give me the brief history of the brain. I ask them, and I've done this many times. It's fascinating. And they say, well, the brain in the end is the end product of a, a mindless, unguided process. And I smile at them and I say... And, of course, according to Scott Adams, it still is. <laughs> it still is. It's still stuck there. And you trust it. Uh. I say, now tell me honestly, that computer you use every day, if you knew that it was the end product of a mindless, unguided process, would you trust it? Now, here's the thing. I have spoken with dozens of leading scientists and pushed them on this, and every single one has said no. I said, you have a problem. Because you are giving me an argument that undermines rationality. And they turn to me and, and they say, where did you get that argument? I said, well, firstly, from Charles Darwin. They say, I don't believe you. And then I quote Darwin. Yeah. Darwin's doubt. This not was his the other one, doubt. Yes. That's his other doubt. Yep. Darwin's doubt about the reliability of human of rationality. Yep. Now, this, to my mind, goes to the heart of the implication of the whole business. And it's why I believe that there is an intelligence behind the universe. I'm a mathematician. All mathematicians and scientists are people of faith, not necessarily in God, but they believe in the rational intelligibility of the universe. And now, the reliability of the mind to perceive. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And therefore, what... And the reliability, Myers, and the reliability of the mind to perceive it. And that's exactly what Adam says. We have none of that. Okay, so not only is the universe not rationally intelligible, but we don't have a mind to perceive it. So it just really makes you wonder how we keep the rain out of the houses, but go on. They base that on. If you base that on, a mindless, unguided evolutionary process, you're destroying rationality. C.S. Lewis saw that in the 1940s. He said, any theory that undermines rationality cannot be true because you're using your rationality to get to it. Alvin Planting has worked on it, but the most interesting person who brings it now to the fore is Thomas Nagel, the philosopher in New York. And he says there's something wrong here because if you follow evolutionary naturalism, it undermines the very rationality you need to believe, not only in evolutionary naturalism, but in any theory at all. So my major problem, uh, Peter, in all of this is not the mathematics. That's just an interesting bit of evidence. It's that here I am engaged in a rational discipline of mathematics. That all dissolves if the evolutionary naturalistic um, account is true. In other words, I often say to people, shooting yourself in the foot is painful, but shooting yourself in the brain is fatal. Mm -hmm. By the way, Darwin actually 
even though this discussion is tending to discount heavily, if not to dismiss his theories, Darwin is emerging as a fine writer, a wise man, and in all kinds of ways an honest man. One doubt, he recognized the problem with the Cambrian record, and then he recognized this huge question of where does the mind come from? Yeah. Where does All right, Michael. And this is known for a long time. I mean, it's Darwin said it. Lewis wrote about it. It's, it's very clear in his book, Miracles. Miracles walks through a lot of this stuff. Um, Alvin Plantinga, you know, wrote quite a bit about this stuff. It's, it's, it's known, but the, the thing is, we just can't help but imagine we're doing something with our minds. Now, we get plenty of things wrong, and our knowledge is always limited, and all of that's true. But to be a nihilist... You just can't really do it if you're engaged in the world because then nothing matters, nothing makes sense. There's there's no productive business to do with it. So I just wanted to play those two little clips and, um, yeah, get that out.